We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking week five passing game matchups. What does Dave think about the Las Vegas Raiders in week five? What about players like Brandon Ayuk, Alan Lazard, David Njoku, and even, yes, Big Bob Tunyon? All that and more coming up on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. It is Thursday night. We've got an absolute just shit show of a game going on right now between the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos and a completely clueless looking Russell Wilson. So that's going on in the background as we record um, this episode. This is this is the weekly episode where we use all of our uh, high-end, you know, very deep-dive data. Um, it's it's offensive alignments, and it is specific, you know, player-on-defense matchups to help you make those tough start-sit decisions um, and really understand, you know, what to expect from various players across your fantasy portfolio. Dave Cabin is a wizard behind it all. Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Um, we We – Kind of watched a couple plays here of this Thursday night game. Russell Wilson <laughs> with some bad throws. Uh, oh. So we're happy, I think, to pivot off of checking out this game and to talk about some players that might be able to put together some good performances. A little bit of foreshadowing here, though. The passing game matchup Raider did not like the outlook for Cortland Sutton or Michael Pittman. And I'm thinking it probably just should have given a crappy lookout for everybody involved in this game. Yeah, man. And that's not even adjusting for the quarterback. Like, you know, I mean, I think both of these quarterbacks tonight are, are pretty bad. Um, so luckily we don't have to talk about the Broncos and the Colts because the game will be ancient history. By the time most of you are listening to this episode, we're going to focus on um, this weekend's matchups. Dave, I know one of the teams that you wanted to highlight um, very quickly in this episode is Las Vegas. But before we do that, Let's let's get a little sound effect. Let's reset the tone before we start digging into the data. All right, Dave. So the focus of the Las Vegas Raiders passing game, you know, coming into the season was widely thought to be Devontae Adams, you know, maybe supplemented by Darren Waller 
and Hunter Renfro. You know, it's an offense that's kind of struggled to find its footing. And, you know, as we enter the second quarter of the season, um, you know, I'm hoping that the passing game matchup Raider can give us clarity on who we can feel comfortable starting the offense. I know we've got Hunter Renfro coming back this week. Darren Waller's getting a little bit healthier. What are you seeing in the tool for the Raiders this weekend? Yeah, I mean, they have a superb outlook. If you look at the Raiders uh, from top to bottom, the receivers that you would expect to be using in fantasy and uh, Darren Waller at tight end, probably the best outlook of any team that you're going to see this week. Now, Hunter Renfro played the first two games of the season, has been out, but when he's been in, he's run 92% of routes from the slots. Uh, a section or an alignment that has been very fruitful for wide receivers opposing the Kansas City Chiefs. It's been so favorable, Curtis, that Renfro scores a 96 in the matchup ratings this week. I have it set up so that 100 is probably the highest that you would see in a given season. So that is, by and large, the highest that I have seen. So far, and on this week, he's only followed by Keenan Cole at 83 and Devontae Adams at 78. So why do we see three players from Las Vegas all sandwiched so high in the ratings? And also, Mac Hollins comes in at number six on the week. Well, there's a couple of things going on here. If you went into the Target Explorer tab and you started looking at uh, wide receivers that the team has faced. There's been a couple of good players in there for sure. But then if you go to the alignment detail tab, what you will see is that they don't have like one or two backs or cornerbacks, I should say, that are giving up a ton of points. But you have players like Juwan Thornhill at safety who spends about a significant time, maybe like 80% or more of his time in the slot, letting up 8.2 points per target or per game on direct targets. Lejarius Sneed, who I think has been playing pretty well from a real life perspective, letting up 8.1. Their other cornerback, Jalen Watson, letting up 8.7. Now, those aren't the highest totals, but what this is telling me is there is a lot of room for fantasy points to be scored, and that is at uh when being guarded by corners being guarded by safeties in and out of the slot by these various players so there's a ton of points for renfro to get out of the slot but for these other wide receivers there the chiefs offense has been allowing points across the field and across positions as a result of that we see really high ratings for them it definitely mm-hmm. Looks like wheels up. Now, I have Darren Waller on a couple of teams. I used a fourth round pick on him in the main event. So far, it's been a little bit of a disappointment. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, he scores pretty strongly as well. Among tight ends, he comes in with the third highest matchup rating of the week uh, with a a rating of 60. Um, You know, so not like as much of a smash by any stretch of the imagination as you see for Renfro but still scoring pretty well. So I expect Las Vegas to be able to, to some extent, turn things around, and maybe we won't just see Josh Jacobs putting up the big points this week. Of course, you're always going to have Devontae Adams in position to have a nice week, but I think Renfro and some of those other pieces score nicely as well. Well, I appreciate you highlighting Renfro. I've got him on a couple of dynasty squads, um, and you know he's one of those guys that kind of figured in as a flex for me as I entered into the season. and one of the tough things to do with players that are a little bit more established is 
Um, especially if it's a deeper team, do I trust them the first week back or do I wait for them to give me a show me week? And we talked about this a little bit um, earlier this week, the importance of getting those big games from players. And, you know, if Renfro truly is believed to be healthy and this is one of the highest matchup ratings we've seen out of any wide receiver, you know, it really gives me pause um, as to whether or not, you know, I, I ought to force him in. I was kind of just going to default to waiting. But, you know, now having heard this and now just looking at the data for myself, I mean, you know, he's head and shoulders above anybody else in the tool. I mean, it, this is like if, if you believe in matchup data at all, like you've, you've got to play. So I'm going to be doing that uh, across my deeper dynasty leagues for sure. And my start three wide receiver dynasty leagues or my, you know, start 10 plus players per week dynasty leagues. Absolutely. And. Um, I have a feeling he could end up being a pretty nice value with a depressed salary across various DFS formats this weekend, Dave. So um, that's enough on the Raiders. Why don't we hit on the Patriots? The Patriots are a team that are going to be a little bit of a puzzle this weekend. Um, it was over before it started seemingly for Brian Hoyer. Um, you know, one of those interesting players that's kind of just hung around the NFL for a long time and has been, you know, um, able to prop up one or two passing options, you know, several times in his career when he's had extended periods of, of starting for squads, but he's already on injured reserve and the team turns to rookie uh, Bailey Zappi while they're waiting on Mac Jones to come back. So um, I, I know that the quarterback isn't figured into this tool, but what does the matchup um, rating say about these new England Patriots receivers? And then maybe we can make sense of it. Yeah. So new England is playing Detroit. As a result of that, it really oh, likes well, these. Start everybody. Yeah, it <laughs> really likes these receivers. Right. So we have that thresholds tab in here that shows you mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, a game by game basis how many wide receivers a defense is allowing to go over various thresholds. Detroit has been one of the most favorable matchups across those thresholds. If you took a look at the specific players on those defense or in their defense, you would see them giving up a lot of points per game on direct targets. So you have uh, Jacoby Myers with a matchup rating of 69, Nelson Aguilar at 63, Kendrick Bourne at 60, uh, Devontae Parker at 60. So four of the top nine players come from New England. We don't always see that. Uh, one of the things, and I think I've mentioned this another week, was that with the way their Patriots use their wide receivers, they tend to have fairly equivalent um, alignments with Myers having one that's just a little bit different than the rest of the wide receivers there. Uh, but as you said, you know, Detroit, it's just been an easy matchup. I do think, though, that having Zappi in, who at this point is very much not a known entity, kind of complicates things. And this also looks like a good spot, given what we saw in the weekly GLSP show we did. Looks like a good game for Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. So there's a heavy chance that the Patriots choose to just rely on them more and stray away from the wide receivers. So it's a really good matchup. Um, I'm not sure though that I would force them into my lineup that said, if I did have a Patriot on the roster though, at wide receiver that I felt like I needed to play, I don't know if I would, you know, make some type of crazy move at the last minute off the waiver wire and sub them in. Uh, that's kind of the context here. Um, I'll let you kind of weigh in though on how you kind of put all of that together. 
here's how I see it, man. I appreciate that the matchup Raider um, is, is shining a light on this uh, opportunity by the Patriots uh, pass catchers against the Lions. However, if you're at a spot where your roster sucks so bad that you're going to start Devontae Parker or Nelson Aguilar with the Patriots' third-string quarterback this week, I mean, you're probably 0-4. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's I think that's the unfortunate reality. Now, um, it could be a good week uh, maybe to get some contributions if the game script goes correctly for some of those Patriots wide receiver best ball shares. You know, uh, that, that people could have collected, um, you know, maybe the one the one outlier would be. Um, why am I bl- why am I blanking on why am I blanking on the slot receiver for the Patriots? Right Kobe Myers. Yeah, uh, maybe the outlier would be, you know, Myers um, just, you know, being a potential uh, target hog in this situation with the the lower a dot. Um, he's certainly on the borderline of being startable as a flex, but you know, the deeper options, even if they are rating, you know, highly in the tool, I'm not sure you can feel good about starting him in a redraft or, or dynasty, really any managed roster managed, uh, weekly lineup context, but, um, we'll hold out some hope for the, for the best ball shares. And, you know, there could potentially be, you know, some nice DFS flyers in there. Uh, if you're looking to get a little unique at the wide receiver position, Let's hit a couple. Well, actually, let's go a little out of order and just hit one more team situation here, Dave, sure. before we start focusing on individual players. Yep. We talked a little bit during the GLSP show about the Steelers wide receivers. You know, they've got the uh, this the quarterback change from Mitchell Trubisky over to Kenny Pickett. And, you know, Pickett certainly showed a lot of chemistry with George Pickens um, after he substituted into the game, you know, last week. Obviously, Deontay Johnson is the you know reigning target hog there, and I think everyone is eager to see how this is going to play out with the change. I mean, e- even somebody like Najee Harris, who hasn't been getting a lot of targets from Trubisky, but could potentially see his fortunes change um, with this move. So, what do you see with the the matchup piece? of this for the Steelers wide receivers in week five. Yeah, it doesn't look good. (laughs) You almost have the reverse situation of what I mentioned when I talked about Kansas city. And that is that Buffalo is not susceptible on any area of the field. In fact, it's seven most or it's yeah. The the seven players in that secondary uh, at corner and secondary uh, and safety in terms of total snaps all of them are allowing below five points per game on direct targets. A number mm. of them below three. I mean, you got guys like Micah Hyde playing a lot of snaps, only allowing 4.3. Teron Johnson at just 4.4. Uh, Dane Jackson, who's played 373 snaps, is only at 4.7. This means there's really not an area of the field that they're susceptible on. And if you look at the thresholds, what you're going to see is that Buffalo is allowing just 0.6 wide receivers per game to go over 10 points. Mm. Um, You know, they've played a couple of top 48 wide receivers. Those receivers have not done well. This just does not bode well for the Steelers offense. In fact, um, George Pickens has the second worst matchup of the week. You see Chase Claypool down in the 30s as well. Deontay Johnson... Uh, does not project very favorably this week, or I shouldn't say project, does not rate very well this week either. 
And sure, maybe we see a bit of a swing now in how things function there with the change at quarterback. It's hard to know how that plays out, but this does not look like the best spot for Kenny Pickett to come in and elevate his wide receivers, at least from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I'm just cross-checking some of the work in the in the NFL stat explore, and it's just a sea of red, man, Yeah, um, on this heat map. It's really bad. Only Cooper Cup has really been phenomenal against the Bills, and that was way back in week one. It was basically a year ago, and he did it. You know, I mean, 128 yards and a touchdown is certainly – uh, a, a very solid week. Um, it was further boosted by, you know, just having an insane uh, amount of target volume, 15 targets, 13 receptions um, in that game. In the weeks since the, the opposing team's wide receiver won. So this is um, this is player-on-player player matchup agnostic, but it's player-on-defense uh, specific. You know, we see Traylon Burks leading the, the Titans with, you know, 8.7 PPR in week two. Uh, just four receptions for 47 yards. Jalen Waddle in week three in that Dolphins game, uh, you know, four receptions on six targets for 102 yards, no touchdown, just 15.1 PPR. Uh, certainly not, you know, hurting you there, but it's not a boom game. Um, and then Devin Duvernay uh, pacing the Ravens with just 9.1 PPR at the position last week. Of course, that game was affected by weather. So, um, even when you just look at what the group is, you know, the groups of wide receivers doing positionally against the bills, it's, it's a little bit tough, you know, since week one, um, no opposing teams collection of wide receivers has, um, rated higher than 19th and PPR scored in that week, higher than 26th and expected, uh, PPR points in a given week, uh, higher than 24th and targets to the position in a given week, higher than 22nd and receptions. I mean, just everywhere that you go, it is a bottom half to even bottom third situation for the wide receivers. So um, all of that is kind of also just adding fuel to the the negativity fire uh, for the Steelers. I guess the only thing that could potentially save us is Buffalo getting so far out ahead that we get three quarters worth of garbage time um, propping up the, the situation here, Dave. But um, I'm not going to feel good about starting any of these players. And of course, I think you and I had already ruled out Deontay in our own lineups um, just from seeing what the GLSP tool said. Sure. Um... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, yeah, that does not look like it. <laughs> the most favorable matchup. We will have to talk, though. We were still trying to decide if Alan Lassard was going to get in our lineup. I think I have him on the notes. But before we talk about him, I want to mention... Brandon Ayuk. Now, I think that Ayuk has failed to live up to what many of the people that drafted him would have liked, right? At this point in the season, he had a 6.7 start to the season, 11.3, 12.9 against the Broncos, followed up by 7.7 points against the Rams. Uh, in terms of targets, I just want to quickly line this up for for uh, listeners out there. He did see eight targets in weeks two and three. Didn't turn that into much. Just four targets against the Rams. Just two targets in that weird weather game, I believe it was, to start the season between San Francisco and Chicago. So that's kind yeah. of the that's kind of the backup information here on Ayuk. Now he scores very low in the tool this week. In fact, uh, he draws a matchup rating of just 26 which is one of the lowest of the week if we look at carolina what you're going to see is they've been very good from a threshold perspective making a lot of challenging matchups for uh opposing wide receivers now Ayuk spends about somewhere uh like 63 percent of plays in the slot but does end up lining up out wide more so than any other player on San Francisco. As a result of that, we're probably going to see a fair amount of coverage for him coming from CJ Henderson, who's only allowing 4.8 points per game on direct targets. Uh, He will also probably see some coverage from Xavier Woods, JC Horn. Both of those guys are below five points in direct targets per game. Now, one thing that might factor into that is that Carolina not always being competitive offensively allows teams to rush. I think it would be fair to assume that that could happen in this game as well, causing San Francisco to need to rely less on its wide receivers. Long and the short of it, this does not look like a good game for Ayuk. I would worry about this. I don't think I would put him in my lineups. Debo has a tough matchup as well, but Debo I'm not going to worry about for obvious reasons. Yeah, the... um. I want to add a little bit of context to it. I understand the matchups looking bad. I'm not going to be quite as pessimistic about the 49ers this week, only because part of what's informing the tools here are some um, kind of featherweight opposing wide receiver groups yeah. that they've faced um, in the in the early phases of the season. So in week one, you know, they faced the Jacoby Brissett-led Cleveland Browns offense um, in which only Donovan Peoples-Jones was really able to get anything going. Um, In week two, they faced the New York uh, football giants and everyone knows how horrific that wide receiver uh, core has looked throughout uh, the the balance of the season so far. So the first two weeks really were kind of gimmies and, you know, that's going to weight pretty heavily in the sample, you know, being a third of, you know, good for a third of the data. When we look at the last two weeks specifically where they've had to face some level of wide receiver talent, you know, against New Orleans, Chris Olave did manage a game 
of nine receptions, 147 yards. Last week against, you know, Arizona, even though their wide receiver uh, depth is not really there at this point. Yes, Rondell Moore came back. No, he did not have a very, uh, 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 he didn't show effectiveness, nor did he command the volume. But Hollywood Brown still got there with uh, 688 one line. So each of the last two weeks, we've seen one opposing wide receiver crest uh, 20 PPR against this defense um, of note. Um, there's not a lot of yak being recorded against this defense. So I don't know enough about the situation to know yeah. if this is a really good tackling Panthers team, but I would note that um, no opposing uh, wide receiver core has gone above um, uh, 68 yards and yak. And that was in week three against the saints. And that was just 11th in that week. And all three of the other weeks this season, opposing wide receiver core have uh, finished with 23rd, uh, ranking or lower and yak in those given weeks. So I would leave the light on a little bit for Ayuk here. Um, if they were to do it via an air yard situation, um, rather than the yak situation, but I think there's, there is a little breathing room in the same way that you said that you're, you would leave the light on for Debo. You know, I think maybe it would be Debo or, uh, Ayuk, maybe not both in this matchup, but I, I certainly think that one of them um, could be, you know, quite productive this week. So kind of an interesting note, just to kind of share some of the things that you can take away out of the tool. If I look just at 2022 data right now, um, I can see if I look at only players that are currently a fantasy wide receiver two or fantasy wide receiver three, there's those names that you mentioned. Now, interestingly, those players are only seeing 8.1 air yards uh, per target defensed by the Panthers, which is actually kind of interesting because you do get some long targets in there from Olave comes out to about 1.8 PPR per target against those players which is actually pretty competitive. Um, so do with that what you will. But if you wanted to drill down more, um, you know, as you're making decisions on other players, that's the type of analysis or the second level you could get to here within the tool. All right. I want to flip over to Alan, Alan Lazard now, yeah. because Lazard is the player that probably gets into our lineup. We were talking about the other day. Uh, we were going to sit Deontay Johnson either way. We then had to pull Jonathan Taylor out of the lineup for that squad. So Lazard went in by default rather than by, um, you know, really then uh, versus competition. Um, so I want to know what to expect uh, from the big guy this weekend. Yeah. So from a matchup perspective, <laughs> this doesn't seem like it's going to be good. It's not you really a big great gulp for him. Before you started talking. <laughs> yeah. He comes out with a oh. rating of 30, a little bit better oh than Dobbs. Um, so we do see Lazard, you know, he's had m many more snaps than any other player uh, for green Bay. His distribution of where he lines up on the field puts him in the slot. 64% of the time. One of the things about that that makes things a little bit difficult is the amount of points that the uh, Giants are letting up are higher for the players that do occupy the slot more. Uh, you see, uh, if you look at the players that he's probably going to line up with, he's going to see a fair amount of Fabian Moreau, who is only allowing 3.8 points per game. On direct targets, you'll probably see some Aaron Robinson in there. He's at just 3.3. Addery Jackson is allowing 7.1 points per game. 
um, which is the highest of any of the players likely to see a lot of run. But some of that comes from the fact that he's playing a lot of snaps against higher level players. Uh, so the Giants, not a real easy opponent. The way that um, we see Lazard get used does not make them that susceptible to him. Another thing worth noting since week 17 of last season, they've allowed zero wide receivers to go over 20 plus points or said differently um, on a points per game basis. That 20 threshold is not getting surpassed and uh, only 0.5 wide receivers are going 15 or more points per game against them. So not the greatest matchup for Lazard. One thing that I think I will say here is that uh, it's just worth giving the reminder that these ratings are just purely looking at the matchup. They're not considering the quality of that player or any other factors. One of the things that we mentioned before is Lazard might be working his way back to full health, clicking a little bit even more with uh, Aaron Rodgers as a possibility as a result of that. So maybe we're not quite as uh, doomed as, as that rating would lead us to believe. Yeah. I think with a player like Lazard, you're just hoping for that, that touchdown um, because that's the difference between the eight or nine point game or yep. that 15 uh, plus point game. And the only other context that I would add here, if you look at, you know, yes, this is a this is a passing game matchup raider. We're looking at the the performances of the wide receivers and tight ends here. However, uh, the quarterback being the start of that battery of that connection. If we look at the four quarterbacks um, that this Giants defense has faced so far in 2022, it's not exactly murderers row. So it's been Ryan Tannehill in Week One, Baker Mayfield in Week Two, Cooper Rush in Week Three, and Justin Fields in Week Four. That's four of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, they're now going to get Aaron Rodgers. So if if the Giants have just been, be if the Giants secondary has just been benefiting from facing poor quarterback play, um, we're going to find out. Because we, even though we've only had, we you know we did have the CD Lamb 887-1 uh, explosion in, in week three for 22.7 PPR. No one else has really done anything super remarkable um you know uh, again they've faced a very weak uh slew of of opposing qbs here so um it's going to be interesting to see what wins out there the overall quality of the passing attack or the individual you know wide receiver versus secondary matchups yeah definitely um i think that those are all fair points i'm just looking here to see if there were any other wide receivers i wanted to call out but i think that we've hit everybody there so we can probably pivot over to tight end if that works for you yeah um why don't you highlight a couple players i mean tight end is just becoming an absolute i mean it feels it feels even worse than a normal year um it's just really really tough sledding out there um i think everyone listening would be very interested to know if somebody on their on their bench, um, we'll be able to give them some points, or if any of those waiver wire uh, wonders might produce in week five. So, can you give us some guys with some sneaky upside to be, you know, low end tight end ones? I know it's a very low bar, <laughs> uh, but can we can we can we get some guys that are going to find their way to just even say eight or nine PPR based on what you're seeing in the matchup tools? Well, Curtis, um, I would love to be able to do that. Uh, but most uh, of the guys, news. most of the guys that are in the green this week are your Hawkinsons, your Kelsey's, your Wallers mm. players that, that you would have 
in your lineup, you know, no matter what, most likely, or the players that you'd be expecting to be in that spot. David Njoku does get the highest matchup rating of the week. Uh, with 63, we see Cleveland in a game with the Chargers who haven't been the most favorable um, defense just for offenses to face. They have been a little bit more forgiving to tight ends than they have to wide receivers. So though he has the highest rating of the week, it's still not really that high. Uh, but, you know, I think it's notable if you have Njoku, you know, maybe you squeak by with a with a pretty nice game for him. Dawson Knox does have um, a matchup rating of 58, which gives him one of the more favorable um, spots of the week. But I guess Hayden Hurst maybe fits into what you're looking for. Uh, so Baltimore, um, him, his matchup with them gets him a 53. If we look at the thresholds and we look specifically at tight end, you're going to see that Baltimore's actually been one of the more forgiving teams they're allowing almost uh you know one tight tight end performance of eight or more points um in every game played they've also been pretty favorable at the 12 plus and 16 plus point thresholds so when i'm talking about these tight ends i'm not going to go too heavy into how the alignments tend to work out um as it's a little bit less interesting at the position but that takes us through some of the better projections there are a couple of players that you might be hoping could fit into that mold that you talked about, but Robert Tunyon with a real abysmal um, matchup here coming in with a 28 against the Giants. Irv Smith with just a 23 against the Bears. And a name that you mentioned to me, Curtis, before we started recording, Mr. Will Disley comes out oh with an 8, or excuse me, a 13 Against the Saints, which to this point is one of the worst ratings that I have seen. So that's going to be, that could be a grueling matchup for him. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, that's pretty tough. Um, You know, the Saints haven't, haven't really played anyone at tight end. I mean, what Kyle Pitts, Cameron Brait, Ian Thomas, Irv Smith, you know, there's nobody there. So I, there's no, there's no reason to think that Will Disley would be the one to buck that trend. Uh, and in fact, that the most PPR scored by any tight end against the Saints this season is just 5.3 PPR. Irv Smith blistered the Saints with a, a line of three receptions for 23 yards and zero touchdowns. So yep. I, I will admit, I did claim Will Disley on waivers on a couple uh, redraft rosters um in my very large redraft uh portfolio just because the position has been so bad and he seems to be getting three or four receptions per week um however this might not be the week that he's going to crack my lineup based off of what you're telling me saying it so for will disley yeah and then one thing i'm just going to call out here because when i was talking about um the giants defense um my search was including a fair amount of games. If you stratify things down, you're probably going to see those numbers go up a little bit more. Cause as I'm looking at it, actually, I think CD lamb did have a pretty decent game um, against them. Yeah. yeah week, he had a 22.7 PPR game. And, and there's yeah. been a couple other receivers that have gone that 13, 14 yeah. range just didn't get the touchdown they needed. Um, so that's what, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I think Lazard or Dobbs, you know, potentially could get there, but you know, when I look at the tight ends, you know, 
in the NFL uh, stat explorer, just this different way of kind of visualizing what's yeah. happened against that defense, not thinking about the matchups. I can see why that tool is so down on, uh, on Bob Tunney. It's not looking great. Yes. So hopefully um, you have many of these receivers that are in the green this week, or if you have <laughs> those in the red, it turns out that it doesn't really uh, matter for those players and your teams can just go bananas. Curtis, one of our teams did go bananas this past weekend. Hopefully, Hopefully we can run it back, and it sounds like we've settled in. We might not have much of a choice with Lazard uh, in that in that lineup. Yeah, I'm just gonna pop it open here because uh, I know this is the content that people really want. Is they want to listen to us uh, set our lineups. They're living vicariously through our chances at yep. bringing home that main event trophy, Dave. And uh, so I'm looking here. Yeah, I've already got it set, man. I've got Deontay Johnson on the bench. I've got uh, Alan Lazard in there. In that London game at Sun Sunday at 9:30 a.m. Eastern Standard, so we will see how that goes. We got oh, you know what? One other player you could look up for me because we're forced into starting him oh uh, based off of other oh boy. other things going on in the lineup too. Um, would be Chris Godwin. Um, so you know Godwin did have a lot of us. Uh, he had a high snap percentage, high route participation. Really didn't seem to be limited at all on his first um, action back from from being injured. Uh, can we count on him this week? Well, I'm looking that up right now. Uh, he's going to, I don't know if we can count uh, this, on him. This whole episode is just a sad trombone, man. Yeah. I'm looking for anyone. Is anyone going to score any points? You sound like Tom Brady. Tom Brady got interviewed this morning and he said, uh, you know, why is everyone one and three, two and two or three and one? And he just said like, there's a lot of bad football being played. So Godwin so, has a matchup rating of 42, which isn't, gosh. isn't terrible, but obviously yeah. it, it isn't great. I mean, I think in the case of a player like Godwin, I don't really, in most settings, I don't really care about what his matchup rating is going to say. You know, if I were playing sure. DFS and I was looking at players in a salary range, I might be more concerned. I think really the thing that just matters is if Godwin is, you know, healthy or not, which, you know, we can't derive from a tool. Um, but yeah. Yeah, not not the best week for wide receivers. Okay, man. Well, it's it's a it's a zero RB league, but there are zero wide receivers going to produce. I hope that you own Jalen Hurts and Travis Kelsey if you want to score any fantasy points in week five. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the passing game uh, matchup rating show uh, here for week five. We'll be back next week uh, to check in on those week five studs and duds and make sure that you get tuned up and ready uh, for week six. Good luck in your matchups this weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.